Welcome to 52 Weeks of Flow. This is a moving river podcast hosted by multifaceted entrepreneur and transformational coach Bia Marie Annie. In this podcast, we want to help you discover the concept of flow and show you ways to get into flow and how you can keep your life flowing. Hello, 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 and welcome to 52 Weeks of Flow, the podcast that delves into the depth of human potential and the transformative power of flow. My name is Bea Marie Anin, your host on this transformative journey, and I've promised you that I bring on amazing guests that will ex make your mind explode. And today, I have a very, very special woman with me. She is also a speaker at the Women Thrive Summit in March, and she's also going to be a speaker at the Superwoman Symposium in January, which is coming up pretty soon. So as a dedicated advocate for women's empowerment, Kylie has spent the last 14 plus years actively working in various roles to promote gender equality. Her commitment to empowering women has driven her to undertake research, design diversity, equity and inclusion programs, and work globally coaching women and organizations to improve the workplace experience for women. Kylie is a Harvard Business School graduate, accredited psychotherapist, emotional intelligence coach, NLP Master Practitioner and a founding member of the International Strategic Psychotherapist Association. So welcome to the show, Kylie. And I did not ask how your last name is pronounced. Can you tell me how your last name is pronounced? I sure can. So it's 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 a Dutch surname, actually. So not far from where you are. It's Van Leeuwen. Um If you pronounce it like a Dutch person, though, as my dad would, because he hates the, you know, English pronunciation, it's Von Loan. Von Loan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There so, you go. You, uh, okay. Since you said Dutch, you know, yeah. you have a Dutch last name, you have an Australian <laughs> accent, but you mm -hmm. live in the States. How did that happen? <laughs> that is such a funny question. Um, so the Van, Van Loon is obviously my maiden name. Um, my dad's Dutch and he, um, migrated with his family when he was a little boy. He was the age of six, um, came from Holland or the Netherlands to Australia and then, you know, did his thing, went through high school, um, met my beautiful mum and then they had my sister and I. So that's where the name comes from. But so yeah, born and raised and bred in Australia, Sydney, Australia. And four months ago, um, my family, so my daughter, my husband and our beautiful Labrador, we made the big uh, move and relocation over to the east coast of the US. Beautiful. First of all, we also have a Labrador. So my heart awesome. goes out to you. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful dogs. <laughs> so yeah. what what made you relocate your family? So two years ago, uh, it was about mid, it was mid 2021. Um, I made the big decision to leave my career and launch Elevated Coaching Consulting. Uh, we operated nationally across Australia. And then last year, uh, we, we launched over here in the US. So, um, on Independence Day, ironically, it's such a strange, my journey the last few years has been very ironic. Um, and serendipitous as I sort of look back on it, but, uh, we landed in the US on Independence Day on the 4th of July and we've been here for the last four months. This is so cool. 
This is really, really cool. And I really want to ask you this question because when when you have a business, you know, when you have, and it's, it's blowing up nationally, what made you want to, you know, expand over the ocean, over the big pond and say, okay, I'm going to tackle America now. It's two things. So in my sort of business training and being a lead, a senior leader, there's that whole concept of when you're going to change something, don't wait for things to go wrong to change them. The best time for change is actually, and to embrace change is to do the courageous thing and change when things are going really well, mm. right? Because it kind of doesn't sound like it makes sense. So I adopted that um, perspective to my business and we had so many, and we still continue to operate in Australia. We've got a, a, a beautiful network of really trusted partners and clients, but I had always, since my 30th birthday, um, really had that that thing about New York and the US and it could have been the Sex in the City era. It could have been Carrie Bradshaw. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I had pictures all, all through my house of, of New York, different different landscape pictures of New York. And I think it was the energy and the the opportunity to to make a real difference. I think that's what it was that drew me to it. Um, and so you know, as you get older, you think if we don't make this move now, we probably won't. Um, And we had a a lot of personal things going on. I lost my mum a couple of weeks before my 22nd birthday. Um, And then other life things happened to make me think, well, well, what do I want in my life? And if I want to make this dream a reality, it's now or never. You know, my daughter's 15. Um, to go any further into her high school senior years would be really, really disruptive to move her. And so we had a, a bit of a family meeting and had a chat and we said, are we all in? And even the dog said, I'm in. <laughs> um, and we just said, let's go and have an adventure because what's the worst that can happen? You move back to Australia if you if don't like it or if it doesn't work out the way you planned and so we took the fear out of it and we said, let's go on a, on an adventure. So here we are. And Have you no been... regrets. Okay, great. That was, that was, the, <laughs> that was the question. I mean, you're four months in, but have you have, have you been to New York before or to the States before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband, 20 years ago, he lived here for about six years mm-hmm. um, when he was in his early thirties and he absolutely loved it, which is why we moved to Northern Virginia. Um, but we'd been to New York a couple of times, to DC, to Virginia, and just loved it. And it was it was that that energy that I had thought it would be. Um, it's funny because having now had the opportunity to you know move to New York instead of Virginia, um, it's really funny that I didn't land there. And it was a deliberate thing. It was just more of a a family fit to live in Northern Virginia, but still have that close proximity to New York. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that you you stick to your values, you know, oh, that yeah. because it's it's so sometimes it's really, really crucial when you have this big opportunity and you're like, oh my God, yes, I want ooh. Mm. But yeah. there's something ah, my family or my, you know, something that is not in the way. In the way is the wrong word for it, you know, but it's stopping you from doing like going all in on that in that certain way yeah so I really I really admire you for sticking to your values and listening to yourself because sometimes I feel that yeah we just overpower that and later regret it yeah and I think 
that's what I was doing in my career. I didn't actually, I thought I knew what my core values were. And for 14 years, I, I, I was, I thought that I was aligning my work to my core values until I did all my training. And then I did that, you know, a lot of deep work and, and healing myself. Um, and when I did that sort of exercise around really looking at my core values and identifying what they truly were, freedom was my number one. And it's not surprising to me that the US was always sort of calling me and I didn't know why. And I'd feel sad every time I'd, you know, fly out of DC or fly out of JFK. I was like, what, what's that about? I'm going home. Like I love my country and I love my home. But when I found out that freedom was my highest core value and second was, was purpose, third is connection. It all made sense to me why I had even started the company why we do the work we do and, and why I've pursued moving to the States when I'm 43. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All made sense. It absolutely does. Freedom is also my number one core value. Yeah. So I can, I can totally understand. And I also lived in the States, so I know exactly the feeling that you're talking about. <laughs> so this podcast is all about flow. And, you know, you just following your intuition, following your gut feelings, doing, you know, the things that you did, putting your family, getting them on a t together at one table saying, are we in, are we going to do this? This seems to me like completely being in flow. Has that always been in your life? No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And I can say that so definitively because the friction that it caused in my life, I can see now, but at the time I couldn't get off that hamster wheel mm. and, and uh, meaning that friction in my professional life, in my personal life, you know, constantly attracting the same things in that I was questioning. Why, why is my career not, why am I not, you know, moving into the roles that I want or why am I wanting to move into roles, um, that are different so quickly or, um, you know, there, there were different things in my personal life too. And it was because I wasn't in flow and I definitely wasn't aligned to my core values. And so what I found was that impacts what you see as opportunities or what you're seeking to bring into your life, but certainly what, um, you know, what you're attracting in. And so that, no, that that's why I can be so definitive about that. It, it wasn't always that way. Um, and it's really funny because, um, you know, since launching the company a little over two years ago, when I talk to people about how we started and how we've expanded and they ask about decision-making in, in business and my business practices, um, not a lot of people uh, resonate when I say a lot of my business decisions are based on instinct, intuition and gut feel. Um, a lot of women understand it though. A lot of women understand it, but when you're talking to businessmen, particularly, um, they, they don't understand that. So it's really interesting that it's really flowed through into how we run the company. Meryl Streep said something really, really interesting um, a couple of weeks ago in an interview. She said, all our lives, women have trained to speak men. Mm-hmm. We speak men mm. and you can only speak a language fluently and understand it when you dream in it. Mm. And women for centuries have lived, breathed, felt men. So that's why we dream in that language. Men don't do the same thing. That's why they don't understand women. 
Yeah. That's where, why there's like this big gap. Mm. And yeah. that's why we as women understand how the masculine world functions and we see why it's not working. Yeah. But since men don't understand or don't speak women, they don't understand the feminine way. They don't understand the feminine power, the feminine energy. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. And it's, I was talking to one of our, our Women Thrive, um, the beautiful woman in our community, Claire, the other mm-hmm. day about this very thing and talking about very early on in my leadership career, I thought that I needed to adopt to be successful as a, as a female leader, leading a large team. I thought I had to adopt more of a masculine energy to be respected, mm-hmm. to be taken seriously because I, I've received a lot of that type of feedback is you need to change your hair color, you need to change your lipstick color to be taken seriously. You know, if you want this promotion, you won't be a blonde. It, it just really crazy stuff. And as a young woman, I took all of that on. Mm-hmm. And so I think the result of that was me being feeling like I had to um, let go of my feminine energy and that softness that actually now I embrace it because it helps me connect with people and clients and team members. But then I didn't realize that that it was actually my superpower, not adopting that hard masculine energy that just that caused friction for me because it's not my true self. Yeah. Absolutely. And it also takes us away from being aligned with ourselves, takes us away from being in flow. What we this is this is what I do in my work. Yeah, I I help people balance and harmonize the man, masculine and feminine energy inside of them, so they can actually use that and harness that superpower in their business, in their lives. Because as soon as we align those two qualities in us, and you know, kind of like syncing your left and right right um, brain part, um, you you see things more clearly, you see things in a more harmonious way, you see the world in a different light. Uh, when when that happened to me for the first time, I, I'm not sure, like, t- about 10 years ago, it it felt like, like, I was like, like, all the different parts of me were sucked back into my body. And it was like, Oh, my God, wow, this is how this feels, you know, being sexy, being gentle, being emotionally aligned, and at the same time, strong, powerful, focused, and clear. And Mm. so uh, as an NLP master practitioner, this is probably also something that you deal with, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because you, I think that's the it's it's the fighting against the natural state of being, right? Mm. That causes the friction, and and that that was certainly the case for me. Is for so long, and I look back and think, oh, you wasted so much time trying to be someone else. When I got such better results and had more of those opportunities and more of the right people gravitating towards me and me gravitating towards the right people and right opportunities and abundance when I was in flow with who I truly was. Mm -hmm. Um, And the work that we do, I look back and think, wow, if I'd adopted that same sort of masculine energy and that approach and that perspective 
now, it wouldn't work at all. We wouldn't be able to achieve the outcomes for our, you know, our refugee women and our pre-employment programs and work that needs that softness. And, and you do need to be gentle and empathetic and hold space for women yeah. um, so that, that they, they feel safe to, you know, show up and contribute and participate. Yeah, it's really when you're not aligned, it, it causes so much friction, doesn't it? Yeah. And I love it that you said you need to hold space for women to really un, un, unfold and shine. Yeah. And and this is actually what the um, the purpose of the masculine energy. The masculine energy is there to hold the feminine energy, to give it um, boundaries, kind of. You know, because the feminine energy, if you if you're just in your feminine all the time, it will go like all over the place. <laughs> it's like it's like a river you know it's like a river without a riverbed if you just have the water it goes like everywhere and then you know like your creativity you're using your creativity and you're going shoo 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 but then it would just like sink into the ground and ha- with no purpose mm-hmm. and the riverbed is the masculine energy that holds the river that directs the water where it needs to go yeah and this is part of my my river flow method um, that I'm using, but I I think you can adopt that to any any part of your life. You know, it's not just about yourself or your business. It's it's when when you are aligned and you're using, you're really taking advantage of that knowledge. Then you can create amazing things, and especially for refugee women because. Um, Five years ago, I also worked with refugee women, and it was in, and it was incredible how holding space and letting them flow would crack open, you know, those those the, those hard shells that they have built. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we find. They need to feel like like all human beings, right? In any environment where you're asking people to show up and be vulnerable and authentic and and they need to do that to get the best out of themselves in the program you it has to be psychologically safe mm-hmm. it's that's why we do the work we do in workplaces you can't expect people to come and do their best work and their most innovative thinking and their be the, at their most creative when they're fearful and uh, in an environment that doesn't foster psychological safety and so that's what we we create for our women and um it's beautiful it's so lovely because they are a majority of them are torture and trauma survivors they've endured and overcome things that i i couldn't even imagine and when i hear their stories and sit with them it's just amazing to me that they're still functioning human beings um they're so resilient but that they've they've through that resilience they have like you said developed that you know hardness survival mode right, just to survive and, and get from where they've been to where they are now. And when they become comfortable and they feel safe and they trust and respect us and they know it's a mutual thing, um, you see that softness come out and the the mothers and they nurture each other and they cook and they bring things into class and to share meals and it's beautiful. It's so nice to see. Yes, it is. And you said, you know, there you don't understand how they function. I, I think that 
you know, functioning is the only thing that kind of keeps them alive. Yeah. You know, not, not living anymore, not being vibrant anymore, but just functioning. And I know that is, that totally does not add up. Um, But for a lot of women, you know, when they become mothers or when they single mothers or when, you know, women going through traumatic experiences, but still needing to nurture their families. Mm -hmm. I think this is the same thing. You know, we, we function, we make it work, but inside we're actually dead. Yeah. You're just existing. Yeah. And that's why I love the work that you do. And that's why I love the work that all of the amazing coaches out there do to help and support and, you know, creating that vibrancy again in women and helping them getting out of the functioning and back into the living and breathing and radiating. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when they start to thrive again. And what we see in a lot of our programs and interactions with our women is um, our, our programs are eight weeks and then we do six months of intensive one-on-one mentoring with them. So, and whatever that looks like for them to thrive at the end of that program. But so many of them come to us and say, my kids have seen such, like my, my little girl or my son has said, you know, mummy, you're so different and mummy's happy again and mummy's smiling again. And you know how kids just, it's so simple for them. They just, they see something and um, they don't understand the depth of what's, uh, maybe it's healing or um, they've, they've found their uh, happiness again. And those women, what those children are commenting to their, to their mothers, to our women is, um, you know, their mums are thriving again. They're not just existing. They're living in the present moment and they're, you know, they've got their confidence back and they feel empowered to make their, you know, decisions about jobs and, and what next steps in their life might be. And, and then, you, you know, I always think about it like a butterfly. If the kids are seeing that from mum, and that's their role model, mm. then, you know, it also helps communities to thrive as well. Absolutely. I, th- I personally think, and no, that's not just my personal opinion. I know a lot of people think that, but it all starts with a healthy mother. If yeah. a mother is healthy and if a mother can nurture what, you know, what the natural thing is a mother does she nurtures her children. Those children can are able to nurture other children. And also, you know, when a family is healthy and whole, it is, they are able to nurture other families. And so it's just a ripple effect. It ripples out and it all starts with the mother. Yeah. I yeah. know there are amazing fathers out there and, you know, um, single dads who take on the role of a mother and they're nurturing as well. Mm. Um, but it is just this natural, the most natural thing that mother earth has created. And that is a mother that nurtures. Yeah. That's it. It's the most natural feeling and thing to do. Right. Yeah. Um, it is exactly that. And when kids don't have that, it, it not only impacts them, but they, they know what's missing. If they've had that and then there's been trauma or um, refugee status or uh, migration or whatever that has in the middle, and then mum mum ends up being someone different for a period of time. Kids yeah. know that, you know, that's 
that's why settlement when we would do work in in settlement services it's so important to to focus on on that role that head of family and that's usually i know a lot of men in the cultures that we work with that's that's who they think it is but i see head of family quite often as mum mum mm. holds it all together i know my mum did um and when mothers aren't there anymore like when we lost my mum the whole family unit just kind of it, it's fractured Mm-hmm. without that mother and that nurturer. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I um, I get really <laughs> emotional with this because I've met so many incredible women who have, you know, um, who have brought their kids to safety and who have built a life and who have built a career, who have built a legacy and who have been through horrible things. Yeah. Yeah. But at their core, they just w- needed to make this work for their children. Yeah. That's so it. I, so I'm, even, I, I also work with men. Men sometimes find me and uh, want to work with me. Um, That's and, great. and it's, it's incredible because sometimes they're just like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like why, you know, your, your child is farting in the night and the mother's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Let's check the belly is, you know, is, is the belly hard or something like that? The mother is awake and the husband is like asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my experience. <laughs> yeah. That's it. We operate on really just different, different levels. Yeah. yeah. And our nurturing levels are, are very different. Um, and I do know some amazing single dads, like you said, we want to give those guys a shout out, but typically men and women, they're very different on the nurturing scale for sure. Yeah. And, and there we come back to instinct and intuition. And I, I love, you know, those are two words and you would think that it's the same thing for everybody, you know, but intuitive women are different than, or the intuition of a woman is different than the intuition of a man. Oh yeah. And I, I find it so fascinating when like in, in my relationship with my husband, for example, sometimes I'm like, Oh, this and this is going to happen. And he's like, you cannot know that. Yeah. And I'm like, we have been together for 10 years now. Are you really questioning me at this point? <laughs> go with the flow, honey. <laughs> go with the flow. Go with the flow. We're just, we're, we're not going to go that way. You know, we're just going to go this way. And he's like, yeah, but if we're not going this way, we will never figure out if you were right. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Okay, then let's go down that way. Yeah. And and then I I don't know what, what it was the other day, but he was like, ah, oh, damn it. I should have listened to you. Yeah, my husband says that more often now, which I love secretly. I'm like, uh huh. Um, but I've had to really try now in our marriage to remember that I'm wife mm-hmm. and not to go outside of the boundaries when it, you know, I'm not your coach. Yeah. I'm not your nutritionist. I'm not your, I'm not your mother. Um, but I'm, I'm your wife. And so, yeah, it's, it's, that's really funny, but I parent my daughter. It's, it's very intuitive parenting. Mm-hmm. For me, I do what feels right. And my husband, because it's her stepdad, right? Um, he met her when she was seven and she's now 15. So he's like, 
dad to her. Um, and she has her own um, wonderful father too. But he always says to me when I make a decision or I say something about something going on in her life, schooling or whatever, he's like, well, why, why would you do that? Or how did you decide make that decision? I'm like, because it just feels right. Because I carried her for nine months and I know her. Mm. I, I just know this is the right thing to do. I can't explain it better than that. And then things will happen and he'll say, you were right. Like, yeah. And it's the same with the business. It's, it's a lot of intuition. You just, it's the feeling that it's right. It's aligned and it just, there's no friction. And to me, that's the right decision. And I love, I love that explanation. It just feels right because I, I am looking for the masculine logical terms to explain stuff to my husband sometimes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And and I'm like and and then I'm swimming because I cannot really explain it, but I'm still you you know f- trying to find those words that will make it easy <laughs> for him to understand what I'm feeling or why I'm feeling the way I do because I also parent intuitively. Mm. And sometimes he doesn't even say something anymore, but I feel that I, I have a feeling that he's not quite on board with it. <laughs> and then I'm just, are you okay with it? And he's like, yep, yep. I'm, I'm, yep. You, it's, yep. <laughs> so funny. My mom and dad had that dynamic too, because he was away for work. Like he worked long days. He wasn't away, mm-hmm. away, but he, he commuted far. And my mum was home after school. She worked, but she was home after school and she gave her career up for us girls. And she would make the decisions, like they'd make big decisions together around parenting. But quite often he'd come home and she gave him the news of the day. And he says to me, you know, she's been gone 20 years and now he's a grandfather to my daughter. And he says, oh, your mum did such a great job with you girls. She just knew how to do it. She just mothering, it was just her thing. Like it was so natural to her. And she couldn't explain those decisions, but I trusted her and you girls have turned out great. Um, It's just so funny, isn't it? That, yeah, I talk to my dad now and he's older and he's got that sort of that retrospect. And he's like, yeah, I just, I just trusted that your mom knew what she was doing because I didn't have a clue (laughs) when it came (laughs) to parenting. Your mom just knew, like she just based it on what felt right. Yeah. Yeah. My dad passed away three years ago. So, um, it's so rough. Yeah. So hard to explain to people what losing a parent feels like. Yeah. Come becomes part of, it certainly became part of my identity and probably the same with you. Like for many years, like I lost mom two years, two weeks before my 22nd birthday and she was sick for a couple of years. But for so long, I sort of wore that identity of motherless daughter for years, it just sort of, I, I wore it. And now, although like not having her here is still part of my identity, I definitely wouldn't say that being a motherless daughter, um, mm. you know, uh, or a motherless mother is part of who I am. I read a really, really cool book about death um, where – it just makes so much sense to me or it still makes sense to me. You know, we, we are energetic beings having a human experience. We use our body as a vehicle 
to operate in this world. And at some point, our bodies, they break. They're not made for eternity. So when that body breaks, our spirit moves on. And that doesn't mean that our spirit, that they are gone. Yeah. You know, I still feel him. I still, I can, sometimes I smell him, you know, then I'm like, oh, oh, okay. That was like a confirmation or that was like this thing or this was like, okay, don't do that. So it's this feeling, you know, you get, I smell it and I'm like, oh, that's a confirmation or, oh, I should not do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or even, even asking questions and having this intuitive ping of what he would say or how he would advise me because he was, he was really clever. He was really, really clever when it came to business decisions. He was also an entrepreneur. So um, when, when um, I just, you know, when he died and everything went down the hill, basically, I was like, yeah. okay, how am I supposed to keep my business running? How am I supposed to, you know, nurture my family when I cannot nurture myself at the moment? Mm -hmm. So, and then I, and I just heard his voice giving advice. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's, you know, that's my brain. That's my brain playing tricks on me and stuff. Yeah. And, and even if it is, it's pretty good. It's pretty good at giving advice. <laughs> it's it, uh, that, that has to be among other things, a part of intuition that yeah. you've, you're open-minded enough and you're open enough as a human being to still feeling and hearing him. Because I mum's mum's here all the time. There's other mm -hmm. places we've lived where she's not really been there as much. My husband has actually like gone, Your mum's here today. Like he just gets this feeling. Wow. Yeah. And my daughter, more than any of our family members, because my daughter didn't meet her, and my mum's sort of dying wish was, I just want to live long enough to see my first grandchild. She was living to be a grandmother, like an old mum. Mm. Yeah. She's like, I just want to be an old um, she wanted to like give all that love to a little baby. Um, and my daughter has said to me, Oh, I thought it was you in the kitchen the other night, but it was Alma. And I'm like, Oh, what? Um, yeah. And she's like, she came and sat on the edge of my bed. Like this is when she was little. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just also the intuition that we might have and the openness as human beings that are open-minded enough to think that our loved ones that adored us and you know, wanted to protect us all our lives that are no longer here, that they physically, that they are here spiritually and they come and let us know that they're okay and we're going to be okay. I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah. I'm convinced of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. You'll have to uh, tell me what that book is called because that's, that's like just fascinating as far as grieving and healing after grief. It's actually a novel. <laughs> By Esther and um, es Esther and Jerry Hicks, it's called Sarah and the Owl. It's a beautiful book, and I'm reading it to my daughter right now, as well, um, because yeah, it's it's about a ten year old girl. Beautiful. It's a really really beautiful. It's a three book series actually. Oh, lovely. Okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I love all of that type of stuff, the symbolism that flies into your life every now and then and, you know, who it is or what the message is. It's so nice. 
Yeah. And that that book really comforted me. I it, I didn't buy it because of, you know, grief um, therapy or something like that. I, I just had it on my shelf for, um, I actually had it because somebody recommended it to me. You know, when you have a daughter, this would be a good thing. Oh, wow. And it helped you first. Yeah, and it helped me first. Yeah. Oh, things have got a funny way of just the timing of things and the way things happen. Yeah. The way things happen and when they happen is fascinating. It, it's not – things have been happening recently since we've moved here that I keep saying to my husband, that can't be a coincidence. Like Things <laughs> are just happening because we're letting things go and not being – like we're surrendering a lot more mm-hmm. um, to just, just, just life and see seeing how life – we're you know living life more than directing life at the moment. That is so beautiful. Mm. And, and you said, um, you said earlier that I just had this thought, ah, it's gone again. Okay. It will come back. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me all the time. I'll be in meetings (laughs) with clients, like corporate clients. And I'll be like, okay, I've got to say this when so-and-so stops talking and then they'll stop and I'll say, so, and I lose my train of thought and there's like 10 CEOs on the meeting. (laughs) I look like a, (laughs) uh, so I'm getting better at writing things down as I think of these things, because it happens to me all the time. Yeah. That's my train of thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so, not come back. No, no, it's like, oh, they, oh, no. no. Oh, it's gone. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> it's just, oh, you'll have to send me a message if it comes back. Yeah. No, but. We, we were talking about intuition and we were yeah. talking about, you know, being in flow and, and just following those little pings, those little signs. And I just really admire you for it, doing that in your business as well. Because mm. I think a lot, especially women, you know, we, we don't trust our intuition that much. Oof. Like yeah. it comes up and we're like, Oh yeah, I should. Ah, uh, no. Well, the actual business decision would be that blah, 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 blah. And then we do something else. And then it's like, ah, I should have done this. Oh, yeah. That's what it is, right? Your body's screaming at you, do this, do this, do this. And we're the only like species that, that consciously says, I'm going to ignore my internal bo- <laughs> What? I'm going to ignore everything my body is saying to me and my conscious mind, my subconscious, and I'm going to go and do the opposite thing. I say it to my daughter and my husband all the time. Why do we do that? When you, you've got such a strong gut instinct about something or, you know, and your whole body is responding to it in whatever way going, this is really bad. Don't do that. Or you really need to go in this direction. We, like you said, as women in business, I think we've been tuned. I certainly was um, tuned into more really ignoring it or, or shutting that, that, intuition voice off because quite often I was asked by my old colleagues why why would you do that or why would you do this that way and I often felt embarrassed that I my answer was because it feels right Mm -hmm. because like you said earlier a lot of men not all but a lot of men don't understand that concept of of doing things working intuitively following instinct like they're not instinctual they they do what you know, they should business wise. Um, 
And I learned kind of the hard way. Like I learned a lot of lessons being in other companies and being a leader. And so when people asked me, you know, how did you grow the business and why have you made the decisions you have? I've, I've done what feels right. I've done what's really truly aligned to our company values and our mission. And I've not strayed from it. I've said no to partnerships that just, it was like, doesn't feel right. Mm. And other people would think, gosh, you're being an idiot. That looks like a great opportunity or a great collaboration, but it just doesn't feel right. And then you'll hear something about that partner or that organization. And I'll turn to my husband and go, see, I dodged a bullet. (laughs) I knew it wasn't right. I didn't really know why, but it just didn't feel aligned. Um. And now I don't have to explain my decisions to anyone except for my accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I, because I get to make those decisions. And if I make the wrong decision, which we do from time to time, then it's, it's my lesson to learn. Yeah. It, it's, it's beautiful that you are able to follow that so much because I think most, most of us, we are so conditioned over the years you know, we've been conditioned by our parents maybe saying, no, I know that better than you. Or then the doctors, you know, no, you know, I have studied this. So this is what it is. I know, I know, I know your body better than you do. Mm-hmm. Or the the way we birth, you know, we women have a natural instinct, a natural reflect reflects how to birth but then it's like no you have to sit on that chair and put your legs up and then push when somebody screams at you you know it's like (laughs) wow unnatural so unnatural yes and so we are conditioned to people telling us that they know us better than we do so listening to that little tiny voice that has been silenced over the years so much is I think a revolutionary act. It's like a real act of bravery to stand up and say, it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And the power is really in not feeling like you have to over explain, Mm. you know, that whole thing. No, is a complete sentence. Yes. Saying, I've really embraced that because I was a huge people pleaser. So Mm. yes, 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 yes. To my own detriment, to my own burnout and exhaustion. And my husband would be like, why don't you say no? (laughs) I'm like, it it comes so much more naturally, I think, to to males to say no. Um, And I think women, especially in the workplace and in business and in leadership, we're always wanting to prove ourselves and prove our worth and, you know, look at me, I'm good enough for that promotion or I'm worthy of that promotion or the position that I hold, even though it's the same as my male colleague and I'm paid half as much, um, whatever it might be. And I think it's also conditioned in us, maybe from our parents from a young age that, you know, you have to work hard to to prove yourself, but it's so um, refreshing and it's it's taken a huge weight off my shoulders just saying no to things and, and not having to explain why I make the decisions that I make. Ali, this is a beautiful statement, which we're going to end this podcast with, because I could, (laughs) I could talk to you for hours. Like this is, this is a conversation that can go on and on and on. Uh, But for time wise, uh, because I like to keep the podcasts short and sweet, (laughs) 
So thank you so much for coming in and sharing all your wisdom, all your knowledge and this beautiful, beautiful, inspiring conversation that we both had. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. So where can people find you if they want to work with you, if they feel inspired to get in touch with you? They can find me. We've got a website, so elevatedconsulting.net, which we're about to launch the redesigned website in about a week, which is exciting. They can find us there. Um, They can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Beautiful. And all of those links will also be provided underneath this podcast in the caption. And yes, and that's it. That's it for today. That's our show. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying with us through the whole conversation. And I'm giving you a virtual high five right now because you have finished another inspiring episode of 52 Weeks of Flow. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free and write us an email. If you have 10 seconds of your time right after this, then please rate this show. Give us five stars. It would mean the world to me. And we can invite more amazing guests and bring more value to you, our listeners and the world. And so I love this conversation with you, Kylie, and especially to just bring it back. No is a complete sentence and following your intuition and saying it just feels right or it just doesn't feel right. And with that, I love you and leave you and I see you, uh, I, you hear me or we hear you on the next episode of 52 Weeks of Flow. And until then, keep shining, keep learning, keep growing and keep flowing. <laughs>